Hey, boys and girls, Andy Shaver here, and this is the fifth episode of the Big Honker Podcast, and on this episode, we talk decoys, mainly goose decoys, but we talk about silhouettes, full bodies, a little bit of wind socks, and we also give you scenarios where we would prefer one type of decoy over the other to, uh, to make up our decoy spread, um, and we also talk about what we consider the greatest invention for a goose hunter, the flag. Uh, we give you some tips on when and how to use it. Jeff talks a little bit about uh, when the flag first burst onto the scene and completely changed the landscape of the hunting uh, down here. And, you know, I'm a bit of a decoy nut and a gadget guy, so this was a fun episode to uh, to record. And I can guarantee you this will not be the only podcast that we do uh, regarding decoys. There is so much information to cover, so... This is the first one, and we feel that it's a good start. So if you're like me and you like decoys, you're going to love this episode. going 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 welcome to the big honker lodge today we're going to talk about some decoys and <clears throat> i had a little little lapse in my thought process for just a moment we're going to talk about all kinds of decoys from floaters to silhouettes to mojos andy what is your, what's your favorite decoy to use um my favorite decoy it kind of depends on situation um if I had to pick, you know, the they they've come such a long way with the silhouettes that I uh, I've kind of come back to them. Uh, for a long time, you know, we would we would mix full bodies and silhouettes, and and we kind of got more towards the full body. But now uh, with the with dive bomb and and some of the other silhouettes that are out there now, I tell you what, I am I am team silhouette now, one hundred percent. Do you, do you feel like on days with no wind, it makes a difference if it's silhouette or full body? Uh, I would say on a no wind day, you know, the more decoys that you can, uh, we hunt little geese down here. So I'm kind of of the uh, mindset that, uh, the more, the more decoys you can throw at them kind of will, 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 uh, hide some of your flaws. And if you're on a no wind day and you can really just run a bunch of decoys, then that, uh, I don't know. That's, I think that's a good. I think that's a good deal for me, at least. It makes a lot makes a lot of sense. The silhouettes are easier to put out than the silhouettes are easier to put out. Silhouettes are easier to pack. Um, you know, we've started running a lot of dive bombs lately. We uh, we used to run real geese, and then uh, dive bombs are kind of new to the scene, and we like what they what they're doing with their with their decoys. Um, real durable, real lightweight, uh, flocked heads. And uh, we really like the stake system because it goes in the ground on a on a on, in some hard fields, hunting hunting down south here in Texas and and in Oklahoma where we hunt. Some sometimes we don't get a whole lot of rain, so 
some of the fields are a little bit harder and uh the the stake system on the dive bomb in in my eyes is, is second to none and uh so a lot easier to pack in and then you know i can i can carry basically 150 decoys you know or 120 decoys because we pack them in 60 in a bag and i can you know carry two bags so that's 120 decoys to do that with full bodies you're talking you're talking 10 trips back to the trailer if you can carry a dozen at a time which uh i think my personal best is 17 but i'm not bragging or anything well on these with with the customers helping put out the spreads like they do on our hunts have you found that the silhouettes are easier for the the customer or or the client, or do you think it's easier with the full bodies? Clients do not like silhouettes. If you've got a trailer that is half full of silhouettes and half full of full bodies, the client is going to pick up the full body every time. Um, I don't know what it is about them. I don't know if it looks them in the eye and says, hey, pick me up or what, but um, you you literally have to fight to get the clients to, uh, to put out silhouettes. Um, you know... I think it's an education thing. I think uh, guys that don't, you know, a silhouette is a two-dimensional object, and obviously a real goose is a three-dimensional object. Full bodies are also three-dimensional objects. So in the guy's mind that doesn't do this every day and that, you know, might have been on two or three hunts with some silhouettes and didn't have any success, he's going to blame he's gonna blame the two-dimensional object for not, for not looking realistic, not knowing that geese... You know, he thinks that a goose sees like he does. Well, a goose is a prey animal. It's got his eyes are on the side of his head. Therefore, he cannot focus with both eyes on a target. That's why if you watch geese coming in, they're constantly moving their head back and forth because they're picking up different things with their two eyes. Uh, So that is how you get by with with running a two-dimensional object like a silhouette because he can't focus in on that object like you can as a predator animal. Uh, so I think there's a, I think there's a misconception with, about silhouettes, uh, among the guys that don't, that don't do it every day. Um, so, you know, if you get the full bodies out there nine times out of 10, he, he's going to, that, that guy that doesn't do it every year, he's going to want to, he's going to want to put the full bodies out, but it does go a lot faster. If, if you can, if you can get them kind of going in the right direction with silhouettes, you can, you can knock, you can knock the spread out and. 30, 45 minutes, whereas, you know, you're constantly making trips back to the trailer, grabbing full bodies. Back, back in the good old days, when we started using silhouettes, and we were on Real Geese's pro staff, would have been in the early mid-90s, the first time I really got exposed to any kind of silhouette other than the old black and white silhouettes. We had some that hand-painted that everybody made, and we went to the Real Geese when they first came out, and them and Outlaw had the big lawsuit, and they fought each other over copyright infringements and we anyways we started out we chose real geese over outlaws which was a good move because they're the ones that lasted and they were a good decoy and they worked good and the only time i ever had an issue with them was we hunted in a snowstorm one time up on the big stumpy and the geese would would get behind us and they, they would work real good in front of us when they'd come in and they'd make that one swing real low swing you know 10 feet off the ground come do it and they'd get behind us and that wind was pushing and that wind was at our back of course and it would, the decoys were covered with snow, and they couldn't see them. Oh, 
and they'd get in front and they'd, they'd catch right. them again and they'd come back and it was the funniest thing because they'd make a circle mm-hmm. and then when they'd get on behind the decoys because all we did was it was a snowy crappy wet day mm-hmm. and all we did was hunt over silhouettes right and it, they'd lose it every time then they'd get in front and they'd see them again here they'd come again and they'd make five or six passes but every time they'd get behind us they'd lose us and the ones that would just come set straight down was an easy deal that's the only time I've ever had a problem with a snow geese was in the snowstorm, a wet snow. Did you realize that the snow was building up on the back of the uh, on the back of your decoys? Well, yeah, you could see them from where we were laying. It was just solid white in front of us, but it was a wet, wet, a rain snow. Right. It wasn't like a you know we've hunted them in snow many times. They don't stick to the silhouettes. So they'd see the decoys lock up, act like they're coming in, go to make that last swing, and then and then uh, lose lose the decoys. They couldn't find them. Right. And it was just a rare situation where the where the storm was just the way it was. But yeah, I could where I was laying at with the decoys in front of me, you couldn't see a decoy either. I mean, you could see them, but they were snow covered. You know, and another thing that I get the question that I get the most is, um, early in the year, so like November, we don't want to throw every we don't want to throw the kitchen sink at them. So we want to get by. We want to kill the most geese with the smallest spread and the and the least amount of realism as as we can. So we run mostly, mostly silhouettes. Uh, all in a, You know, if, if we can, we won't throw a full body out until uh, mid-December. You know, you, you always want to kind of keep, keep an ace in the hole, okay? So uh, the question that I get a lot is, well, do you want all of your, all of your decoys facing into the wind? Well, no, not with a silhouette. And, and I had a guy look at me like, like I was the biggest fool ever when I told him, no, just stick them, stick them any direction. Okay. And he's like, well, geese will, geese will feed into the wind. And that's, that's half true. Um, if it is any, any wind below about 15 miles an hour, a goose is just going to walk any direction he wants. Now, when that wind gets above 15 miles an hour and into the 20 mile an hour mark, that's when you'll see your geese facing into the wind the most. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a five, 10, 15 mile an hour wind day. And the guy asked me, now you want them all facing into the wind, right? And I said, no, just face them any direction. And he looked at me and he said, and you know, and then he said, well, geese feed into the wind. And I said, well, it's a two dimensional object here. If you face all of your decoys into, if you face all these silhouettes into the wind, the geese are going to see every bit of them at once. And then they're going to circle just a little bit. And then they're going to lose every one of them. They're going to, they're not going to see any, any, any decoy that we've got out if you face every one of them into the wind. And it looked like a light bulb in that guy's head. So, uh, you know, if you're setting out silhouettes and it's, and it's, you know, even if it is a, a windy day, stagger them and, you know, you know, uh, face, face one directly into the wind, then quarter, quarter another one, quarter another one the other way. And then, uh, you know, and and then that'll be fine. But you got to remember that too. When when your birds are making that that circle and that swing, uh, you don't want them losing your decoys. So you got to stagger them. They got to face every direction for them to for them to see them from all all sides. What what about <clears throat> we noticed? I've been doing this, I guess, long enough that I saw. I, I was in business before the mojo come around. Mojo didn't come around until really, I don't think they sold it commercially until probably 98, 99. It's probably when they first started doing it. I had to do some research, but that's when it become, become a weapon. And I remember when they when they, it first came out. Now, do you like to use the Mojos on geese or just the ducks? I will never, never use a, 
a, a mojo on geese. As a matter of fact, um, we've we've uh, the, the spinner that we use is the Lucky Duck, and it's got the remote, of course. So uh, if you you know a lot of places, a lot of times when we hunt in Oklahoma, we hunt geese and ducks, and uh, so we'll we'll throw the spinner out, and once the ducks start flying, once the ducks stop flying. And it's mostly geese. We will we will completely yank them and put them into the put them into the blind with us. But um, you know, and if if we're still getting some ducks, we'll just use those remotes and uh, and turn turn off the wing beats. But geese do not like uh, something about that constant motion or something. But um, I can I can literally count on one hand the times that a spinner has been going and we've decoyed and we've decoyed a big flock of geese. It just doesn't happen. And I don't know if it's the constant motion that they don't like, or um, I, I don't know what it is. No, to be no, honest with you, no, we're hunting the Canada geese. I guess on the snow geese, it doesn't matter as much. I guess you, not. Yeah, the vortexes and all that stuff. Yep, they got. But you know, and I've I've used the vortex a couple times, uh, something kind of like it um, on geese, and it works for just a little bit. And we we had a guide one time, and he had, every gadget that they made from year to year. He was going to have two of them, and one of them happened to be the vortex. And geese kind of got a little bit of, kind of got a little stale in January. Threw it out there, and we had about three good hunts on it. And then after that, it just quit working. Geese started flaring off of it. So, but and maybe they're just conditioned to uh, to seeing the mojo duck. I say mojo duck, the spinner uh, duck duck decoy, and maybe they're just conditioned to to not coming into that. I don't know. Because after about three days of that vortex, of them getting shot over that uh, that vortex, that, that spinny thing that you put two decoys on and it spins and looks like they're flying around in a circle, about three days of that and they they were done with it. We'll, we'll flip sides here since we're talking decoys. Let's go ahead and take a break here with Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. It's www.stanfieldstanfield.com. Stanfieldhunting.com. You think I know my own website. www.stanfieldhunting.com is bringing the Big Honker podcast to you. Anyway, so check us out. we got some great hog deals. If you want to do a husband or wife wanting to do a hunt, a gift hunt, come up and do a guided hog hunt. Great time to shoot some uh, some pigs. Easy hunt. Get you out of the house. Do some hunting when hunting season's not really going on. Could kill the dog days of summer. Okay, Andy, now that we're talking decoys, let's let's talk about brand decoys. Every, there's there's a dozen good decoys out there. Do you think there's really a big difference between any of the decoy companies, the big ones? The full bodies, yes and no. Okay, so I'm going to say I think Dive Bomb is ahead of its time in the silhouette game just because of the stake system. Um, you know, we ran real geese for so long, and they got the big wooden stake. If you ran into a hard ground, you are not getting, you are not getting the uh, – the real the real geese decoys for, into the ground for people that don't under that have not used the dive bomb deal the dive bomb stake system it's kind of like the stake system that they have on political signs it's just right. a corrugated right. corrugated plastic and a, a sharp stake at the uh but yeah just like a just like a just like a trump sign it's a metal it's a metal it's a metal stake that's uh you know pretty rigid and it just it slides right into the ground even on even even in a hard ground and it's an H system, just like it's like a metal H. No, it's like a it's kind of like a, a long U. So it comes up from the bottom, and then it goes. It's just one. It's just one. It's just one piece at the top. So you you actually stab it in 
from the top of the corrugated plastic and then um it's like a the the stake is like a big long u and uh it hooks in it it just hooks on the top stops right there so yeah that's that's the stake system of the dive bomb and and in my mind it uh <clears throat> it is the best out there uh the the and it's a uh it's kind of a, a cheaper material so it's it's corrugated plastic like you said so that that uh cuts cost cuts your cost because you can you can get so many for quite a bit cheaper than you can get real than you can get real geese decoys um so i would say dive bomb is is number one in the silhouette game and then um on full bodies i like a softer plastic so you're going to run into a couple different plastics uh when you're looking at full bodies you're going to see uh what they call a blow mold and a blow mold is usually it's a it's a softer plastic it's got some give to it so on a cold day um when you're hunting that that plastic will have a little bit of give to it and a little bit of a flex uh whereas um i think hardcore is the brand and it's a it's a hard plastic and there is no give to that we have busted so many so many uh uh, of those decoys that have that harder plastic just because when it gets cold and you throw them into the trailer you're in a hurry or something and you gotta you gotta shit and get and you're throwing decoys everywhere they bust because they're so cold and, and there's no give to them dakota has that softer plastic and i think avian also has that uh that softer plastic that has a little bit of flex to it so if it gets cold you can just chunk them in and and they hold their paint better too um if you get a decoy that that's that harder plastic, you'll notice that the paint that the paint starts to come off um, on cold on cold days. Um, if it's a if it's got a flex to it, like a Dakota, <clears throat> excuse me, like a Dakota or a or an Avian, then uh, they hold their paint better and they're just a little bit more durable. Um, but one thing that I one thing that we have had. And no decoy is safe from this. We have had de we have had uh, geese that fall out of the sky, and this last year for some reason I went through about five days where geese were just landing right on the top of the decoys after we shot them and busted them all to shit. Uh, I very very seldom have I had that, and I had it like three days in a row. So, um, you had mentioned the black and whites earlier, and and those are. A lot of people are starting to bring those back. I've I've noticed, which is a good thing because geese the last probably fifteen or twenty years haven't seen the haven't seen the black and white silhouettes. Other than the ones we have at the lodge that we've repainted, that's all that that we have anymore. You don't you don't see them anymore. And and, and what we done is we took a bunch of old real geese ones that we hunt a lot of sand. We hunt in a, a sandy peanut fields a lot, and after a while they become sandblasted. And so instead of having pile, thousands and thousands of silhouettes, we went and refurbished them and painted them black and whites. And we mix them in with our spread, and they work really good that way. Um, you know, kind of in my mind, and I'm, I'm stealing a little bit from Scott Trinan here, um, he runs black and whites everywhere. And I know Tim Grounds does as well. But sight is half of the game. Sight is always going to travel a little, you know, it's going to travel further than sound. So if you're hunting, say, a traffic field, and you're, you're not on the X, you're not where the birds are landing, you're not where the birds are feeding the night before, you're kind of in between the two, 
or maybe you're off of the flight line just a little bit and you throw out some black and white decoys, the birds are going to see that before they hear you're calling. Okay. So that, 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 that can work to your advantage, um, in the sight game. And, you know, another thing that you got to realize too is, uh, the ground that you're hunting is mostly, unless you're hunting like a cornfield or a milo field, if you're hunting a pea field or a peanut field like we hunt, your ground is brown, gray, and most of the time there's a little bit of black and a little bit of tan in there. Well, if you look at a goose other than a snow goose, a speckle belly, his body is brown, tan, gray, he's got a gray head, a Canada goose his body, a lot like a speckle belly, is brown, gray. He's got a black head and a white cheek patch. So there, there's not a whole lot to differentiate uh, a real-life-looking goose versus the ground a lot of times. So if you throw out a black-and-white decoy in a, in a brown field, that goose is going to see it a whole lot easier, and it's going to make your job a lot easier because sight is half of the thing. If you can get a bird looking at you, you can finish a bird if, if, if he gets close enough and you're doing the right calling, which we'll get into calling uh, at a later date. But black and whites, in my mind, are something that, that we got away from the last 20 years, but I think it's something that can really, can really set you apart on days where maybe you're, not in the flight, maybe you're not in the flight line and you're definitely not on the X, in my mind. What, in the 20 years you've been doing this, what, what, what do you see the difference in the decoys? What's the biggest change you've seen in the decoy industry? Unnecessary feather, unnecessary uh, feather patterns. Um, you look at the avians and they've got, you know, they've got the uh, secondary feathers and all this, all this other stuff that looks great. Looks like a, looks almost as close to a, as a, as a mount as you can get. But you gotta, you gotta remember, you know. They did an excellent job of marketing to the people that buy decoys because they say, hey, look at how real this looks. In my mind, you don't need all, you don't have to have all that realism. If you're going to set out a dozen decoys and that's all you're setting out, by all means, get the very best, get a Dave Smith, uh, something like that, a high, high end decoy if you're only going to run 10 to 12. Because, yes, if you don't have the numbers, if you don't have the number of decoys, realism is going to matter. So I'll start off by saying that. But if you're like us and you're running anywhere from, oh, I don't know, say, you know, you're running around 20 or 30 dozen decoys every day, you don't have to have the most real looking decoy out there because you're going to run sheer numbers. Okay. And, you know, when you're running that big of a spread, realism realism is not the most important thing now you want to make you want to make the decoy spread look real um but you're you're going to offset a lot of the a lot of the uh quality by quantity when you, when you run big decoy spreads like we do you know it's it's funny too because you, you you set out a spread of decoys and there'll be a head missing on something or yeah. And, yeah. and a guy will go, oh, my God, there's a head. You don't want to put that out. Yeah. If that bird gets close enough to see their head and it's missing on that decoy, mm -hmm. he's in big trouble. Yeah. Well, guess what, Bub? The, the other 29 and a half dozen, they've, they've got their heads, and we've got, them, we've got them placed. But, yeah, you get that all the time. Well, this one's, this one's got BB holes in it. Listen, 
it it took you g- holding the decoy to realize that there were BBs in it. Okay, so I don't think a bird at twenty yards is going to spot that. If he does, we're already screwed. If he's if he's looking at us that well, ain't it amazing too? The guys that shoot the decoys have it have it almost every day. Yeah. Tell them not to. You know, in my morning, I give a I kind of give a safety speech every morning before the hunt and tell them all the time. If a bird lands, that's the one, you know, that's the one you want to shoot, okay? But let him get just a little bit of sky underneath him and then and then shoot him, okay? And that's another thing that that's that amazes me is how many birds that land on the ground that get away. It's safest place for a bird to do. The birds that land almost, I, I would say half the birds that land, if it's a flock, and if it's just one or two birds, they don't. But if a flock of birds come in and 10 or 15 of them land and there's 50 set up right above them, those 10 or 15, half of them get away every time. I bet more than half. I've, I've seen, I've seen like Jeff said, 10 or 15 land, call the shot on the 50 above them. And they, they, I think the geese are getting conditioned to this, but they, uh, they wait for the, they wait for the silence and, and then they just fly off, and everybody says, "Oh shit, man! Birds on the ground." Well, yeah, we told you, we told you to be looking for the birds on the ground. So I don't know if guys get excited and just see that that bird hovering there or what, but I know uh, the the days that I shoot, if a bird lands, I'm waiting for him to get up, and I'm flock shooting that that little I'm flock shooting that son of a bitch because uh, the birds are going to be tight getting off the ground, and you can. You can shoot two or three in one flock in one shot. I'm sorry. I, I, I tell you, a, a, not a decoy, but a, a gadget that I think has been instrumental was Randy Bartz's flag. I, I, we, I remember when Randy come up to the lodge and he brought me a flag, and I've still got a, a case that he gave me. Now, for the people that don't know, break down what what is a flag? It's not it's not like a United States flag that you put in your yard. No, it's a a wood a, a dowel rod basically with a a wing on it two wings and you and you flip it back and forth and it looks like wings flapping and it looks like a bird does when it lands so well and, and birds will stretch their wings yes when, it, when they're walking it just adds movement to the spread yep. but the first time that I, i'd seen it advertised in knutson's or newton's however you pronounce that and we we set that and i bought me one it was fifteen dollars and i'd never had used it before i'd seen it advertised a little bit and I got it in my package, and I put it in the in my decoy bag or my hunting bag with me, and took it to the field. We was hunting that morning. It had been a, a so-so hunt, nothing great, nothing. I mean, a decent hunt at best. And I thought, oh, I'll try that flag thing. And I got out and put it together. And these geese were flying. You know, five or six Canada geese were flying 100 yards, 80 yards away, coming up. And they really weren't interested. It was a no wind day. There were big feed behind me. I took that old thing out and I hit that, flopped that thing a few times, and those freaking birds turned on a dime, locked up, <laughs> and came right to me. And then and I'd quit, I'd quit flagging, and they'd start losing interest in me. And I'd flag again, they'd lock back up mm-hmm. again. It was like a magic wand. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And and I, I I believe that was the first person to have one in our area. I'd yeah. never seen one before or heard one before. And then right after that, about a month later, Mike Ducart from Illusion Gaming innovations i think's the name of his his company he'd come up and did a hunt with me and he brought randy bartz with him and randy for the people that are in the waterfowl business a long time is called the flag man he invented the flag and uh randy came up and he gave me a case with some of them in it and randy hunted with this every year for four or five years great man great man real 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 neat interesting fella him and him and ron winnicky are two of the neatest guys i've ever been around in the hunt business 
when it comes to gadgets and stuff. Is Randy still alive? I, I believe I believe Randy I mean, passed away. Did he? Yeah, I know Ron passed. Ron away. Ron passed away. I know he was the world. He won the world of world or, or the world duck calling contest one year. He really? was Mister Nebraska. Ron Winicky. Yep. He he got a he got a a golden plaque and something from the state. The governor of Nebraska told me what. Yep. They Why? had a Ron Winicky Day. No way. Yes. In Nebraska, yep. they had a Ron Winicky Day. They don't have a lot to celebrate up there. Ask Blake. They're bowling and women's volleyball. <laughs> bowling and women's volleyball. Yeah. When that's the, your the Nebraska claim, sport. Yeah. We we had to watch women's volleyball at Goose Camp in Oklahoma this year. They were playing in the national semifinals national championship game. We're gonna watch volleyball tonight. Well, hell no. <laughs> We're not watching volleyball. Yeah, no. Well, I think we'll miss that, Blake. <laughs> and that uh, was a big thing to them. But anyways, back to the – And Blake the, was – Blake loved uh, – Blake's dad loves uh, Ron Winicky. Yeah. Looks up – I didn't know he was from Nebraska, though. Oh, yeah, he's a he's – a, I didn't know he was so revered in Nebraska. He's a celebrity. That's awesome. And he worked for us for, what, a year? Yes. He passed away shortly after that, didn't he? Yes, he After did. he worked for us? Uh-huh. But uh, Ron, Ron's, Ron was a great guy. But – the flag, back to the flag, but Randy Bartz had the flag, and the flag is one of the greatest innovations, and it's kind of like the mojo. Everybody that waterfowl hunts has flag. Yep. And you've got a spinoff of the flag in the Magic Mike. Yes, yeah. The Magic Mike, which Molt Gear makes, I'm, I'm on their pro staff, and you can uh, – it, it, it's like a flag, but it's on, it's on a, a stake system, so you can put it out, I don't know, 20 30 yards maybe in the kill hole or if you're running if you're running uh, a smaller spread maybe more spread out um you can you can set it off on a wing or something wherever you want the attention to be um you can you can set this magic mic out and it's got this string that you that you attach to it run the string back to the blind with you and uh pull on that string and the wings come up and uh, it's it's a very it's a very good way of getting motion. You know, a lot of times we're hunting an edge of a field, we're hunting in an A-frame or something, and it would look odd for a bird at 75 yards to all of a sudden see this flag coming from the edge row where there are no decoys. So uh, the magic mic you can put if you're if you're hunting in that situation, if you're hunting on an edge or something, and maybe not necessarily in your decoys, run the magic mic out, got it on a jerk string, and and you got. All of a sudden, now you got motion in your decoys. We uh, back. Not only do we not just use the 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 flag, the traditional Randy Bart's flag, but we got where we would use a black flag, like on a. And I had a black graphite pitching wedge, and took the club head off of it, and had a flag sewn on it. And you could lay there, and you could flag from way off. And one morning, me and Dad went and hunted with me. And I had some guys from Louisiana or from somewhere back in the southeast Georgia or somewhere, and they wanted to shoot speckle bellies. That's all they wanted to do was shoot a black barred up speckle belly. And so I got that's all he talked about. And you usually we kill a, a speck a day is not a problem at all. Well, we shoot Canada's and Canada's. Finally, a beautiful black speck comes in. He's about fifteen yards off. Out, out on the decoys, just kind of fluttering around looking for a place to land. And it's about may, maybe six foot off the deck. And I hollered, shoot that goose. And my dad raised up and shot that damn goose. He was, mm, shit. He was laying back by me in the in the kill in the at the guy where the guide sat behind the hunters. And I had that flag. I'm I'm giving him that go to hell look and I don't want to say nothing. I'm like, why would you shoot that goose? 
And, and, and the guys, all they're kind of looking around, and some more geese are coming. I said, get down, get down, some more birds are coming. So I tell Dad, I look over at him, I go, why the hell did you shoot that goose? Well, you told me to shoot. You told us to get it. I said, not you. So next time, it wasn't five minutes later, we had the same situation come up. And so goose up there, and I had that old flag my dad raised up, and I hit him across the forearm <laughs> with that flag. Right, That damn golf club hit him on the forearm. <laughs> he went to son of a bitch. He was pissed so it's, off. It's a weapon, too, if you need it to be. And he looked at me, and I said, don't shoot. Nick's flock of birds come in. He raised up. He's in shooting. I picked that flag up. He saw me. He put his gun down. After about the second or third flock, I told him, he said, you can start shooting now, boy. He was a nervous wreck. He looked like a coward dog. Yeah. He was gun shy as a candies for a minute. Beat the piss out of him for just a minute. Uh, that's funny. We were just talking about the Kennedys, too, the other day. That that Chappaquiddick movie came out. and What a what a time to be alive back, back in 69, it sounds like. You got the moon landing. You got all the Kennedys dropping dead. Uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about the Kennedys too much. I was listening to something Rush Limbaugh was saying. Uh, back in the 80s, he said something about the Kennedys, and he got a letter from a lady that couldn't believe that he was taking on the Kennedys. Like, she just knew something was going to happen to him. That was a bad car wreck. I mean, that poor lady had knocked her panties off and locked them in their glove compartment. Yeah, I, and I was I was foolish enough to go looking for that. I thought that was gospel. That is a true story. I, about the panties, though. Well, they don't want to tell you that no more. They covered that up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're we're straying we're straying from the from the decoy spread or from the decoys. But anyway, the Kennedys. Um. Uh, obviously, we could we could we can continue to talk about this. Jeff has court today. He's not in court. Well, he is in court, but he's on the other side of the bench. He's he's Mister Judge of Knox City, so uh, he's got court this morning. This is something that we could, this this topic is something that we'll we will explore more. We will get uh, other takes on it. We'll get we'll try to get Zach back on the podcast and and he can give his take on decoys. So this is something that's probably going to be a continued series just because there's there's so much depth to uh, to decoys and decoy spreads, and then we can obviously talk uh, difference between goose de- goose decoys, duck decoys, and all that stuff. So uh, we're gonna wrap her up here for today. Sorry, this is a little bit shorter, but uh, Jeff's got to go make some rulings on some important cases. So <laughs> follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff, at Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Follow me. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram is at Andy underscore Shaver. Jeff, what do you got? Well, in the next couple of – in the next week or so, we're going to have our pre-NFL draft, mock draft top ten, and we're going to see which me or Andy, which one of us can pick – the players before they get picked and how close we end up on this deal and that's at j stanfield 68 at instagram if you need anything else you can look us up at the web at stanfieldhunting.com or send us an email at goose at west w-e-s-t-e-x.net god bless take care and get those kids outdoors have a good one